0: Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Decks. Our first installment is actually with a DJ and producer called Marcellus. Now Marcellus used to be DJing under a name, Dave Silcox. And he was one of the first beta testers to send a submission through TrackStack. So he holds a special place in our hearts. And uh, this is a conversation that we had with him just to kind of get to know his journey more and understand what habits work for him in the studio, and how his journey has shaped up until today. I just want to preface that my audio in this episode is not very good. We were using a tool called Riverside.fm to record the podcast. I'm not going to lie, it didn't turn out great, so I'm definitely going to take up something new when I record a new one. That being said, it's still a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Let's get into it. Marcellus.
1: Hey, how's it going, man?
0: Good. Good. Good, good to have you on brother. here. Thank you for joining. Yeah. This is the first time we're using this, so I had a countdown. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Um, I, I was
1: loving the countdown.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> so do you wanna do you wanna give an introduction to who you are? Because I know who you are. Um, but maybe people are yes. listening or watch this might might know who you are.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, so um, my name is Marcellus and I make uh, kind of between deep tech and tech house uh, club music. I'm from London, originally from Kent and uh, yeah, I've been doing this project for about four or five years and uh, yeah, recently had some some really good successes with a few tracks and yeah, it's building really nice and uh, obviously a pleasure to be involved in this um, this trial. For For getting stuff to Jamie Jones, because obviously that's on most people's hit list, so it's really nice to have the opportunity,
0: yeah, yeah, thanks man um and yeah, for me, I'm Cameron as I said in the intro, founder of track stack, and uh this is uh Marcellus on behind the decks, so yeah, really, we're going for something that's kind of more about you man, and um. You know, Marcellus is kind of a new alias, right? Because it was you were as Dave Silcox before, right?
1: Before, yeah, yeah.
0: So, So, what's what's your journey been like? When did you? Where did you start? Like, how did you go from Dave Silcox to Marcellus?
1: I mean, they say that the musical journey is a marathon, not a sprint, right? So, I was fully prepared to just roll with it. Things go in and out of as well when i first started i started making more electro and progressive music you know um the kind of that scene and as things moved i just kind of realized from going out raving and from going to ibiza and from going to different raves and experiencing the vibe with maybe the main stages, the big room sound, the progressive sound, and the, and the smaller stages with the tech, with the techno, with tech house. And I just found myself really gravitating towards the more underground sounds, more beat-driven stuff. And, you know, just dirty beats, that is what I've always liked. And, you know, the kind of uplifting, fluffy Tomorrowland, it just, I kind of just grew out of it. And um, I, you know, I still do some bits under my old name. Uh, when I come across a good song, for instance, that I really like and I want to be able to produce it, I'll put it out under that name. But for me right now, it's, it's definitely, with Marcellus, it's definitely where I feel like I belong. And I'm really glad that it's kind of all... Because no, no time is wasted with production or being in the industry. You learn how to be resilient, you learn how to, you know, um, overcome struggles because it is a tough industry and you, and you build contacts regardless of which genre. So it's it's definitely fed it and it's definitely been like an evolution to get to where, where it is now with the Marcellus Project. But I definitely see the longevity in this one compared to what I did before and it's a lot... I enjoy the people that I work with more and I feel like it's less pressured and I feel like there's a lot more room to make different things. It's a lot less formulaic than than it was before in an old in the older genres. So that's been the journey. You know, it started with with the bigger sound and then it, it evolved into into the in what Marcellus is now.
0: Yeah. And you say like Raven had quite a big impact on that. So would you say like the the day of sound was inspired from a different place were you not like raving at the time, or was it just the type of gigs you were going to and not exposing you to the other types of sound that people were doing?
1: Yeah, I think it was mainly where I grew up like i didn't grow up I didn't grow up in London, so I didn't have that initial underground scene on my doorstep um I grew up in Maidstone, which was You know, we had source bar, we had club class, and I did go to those nights, but it didn't. At the time, it was very much where I was in the industry. I was surrounded by people that made pop music. I was surrounded by people that made um, progressive, big room, electro. And I think it was just a product of my environment at the time. And... The, the dirtier, techier side was almost what I enjoyed when I went out for myself. But obviously, as you mature, you realise that you need to do things that you love, and you need to do things that um, really excite you. And I think my passion just died for the for the other the other side of it, and it was almost like the true calling came out after, you know. Um, and it, it was I mean, it was nice being in Maidstone at that point because we did have. You know, we did have things, you know, like the Source bar, and you had all these people that originated from there. You know, the Fan Brothers, you know, Mark Knight, tall Room, and I was involved with them. But again, tall Room was a bigger kind of festival sound at that point as well. Um, it wasn't as it wasn't like an, an underground label at that point. Um, and yeah, I think it just it it was a uh, it was it was good to have what I did because it brought me to where I am now. Uh, and it taught me about production, and it did teach me a lot of things which I still use today. Um, but yeah, and also I think I did a lot of kind of ghosting in in my previous name, and I think that definitely diluted my uniqueness and originality and sound. And I think after a while, a lot of people do ghost production. I've got nothing against it, but um, for me, I think you have to be difficult because you don't know whether a sound that you could potentially stumble on when you're doing a ghost production for someone could be a groundbreaking sound that you could break for yourself, but it gets dissolved into other people's artist careers, And I think that, like, there's a lot of talent that gets wasted through that. And there's less of that in, in tech. There's still about, but there's less of it. And I love that. I love that, that, you know, these artists are pure and these artists are... um original, and they're not just manufactured. And I think that's what really I really like about the Zoma as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I just want to dive into that. It's like a good level of awareness as well to know that what you were doing was not the true you. I think that was the most important thing you said. Um, and kind of surrendering a little bit more to the unknown of like that and moving toward it. Um, you said that like right back in the beginning. You said, "I, you know, Ibiza was a bit of an influence on this." Can you can you talk about where, where were you? Like, who were you watching? Like, where, can you remember this specific time where you were like, "Okay, like the Dave Silcox is dying and this new it's thing dying, is brewing. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, being in Maystone, I was kind of like. It was the whole, I think it was 2007. I'd never been to Ibiza before. I was I was mainly into, obviously, I love dance music, but I was mainly into hip-hop. Like, 2007, everything was hip-hop, you know, ma- massively. It was It was huge. And I was making hip-hop at the time. I was making hip-hop on an MPC. You know, we were doing some bits. I was doing, like, a few, like, doing some bars and stuff. We were doing mic stuff. We were doing anything, really, just, just finding ourselves. And I think... I was just experimenting with 4-4 Beats at the time. And then when we went to uh, beat for the first time, it's 2007. It was very much in the electro era. So it was people like Dave Spoon, Feli LeGrand. It was, you know, Alan Bushwacker. It was people like that. That, that And I remember Space, Feli LeGrand. That was one of the first things I went to. I went to um, Manumission in, in Amnesia, which is obviously such a sick brand. Obviously I was just like, wow, there's what is going on here. Do you know what I mean? It's just like hedonism at its finest. I hadn't really witnessed all that. And I just really liked the openness and the freeness of it. Um, it just seemed like such a cool world to be involved in. And when I got back, I started experimenting with 4-4 Beats, but still with hip hop lyrics on the top. And that's kind of what I'm still doing now. But it didn't, there was no style to it. It was very much just experimenting. And then I had a few things signed to a few, you know, labels, Universal, all around the world. Those kind of like halfway between the underground and and your pop label. But that was all the journey. That was just the experimentation and the transition. And I think after a while, just doing a few deals, getting a bit of experience, it just, it led me to the point where I got a publishing deal and I was able to to obviously make the transition and then that gave me the freedom to experiment with things like Marcellus and things like that so yeah I'm, I I don't know anyone that wouldn't say that Ibiza is like a fundamental part of their journey <laughs> like it seems so like played out to even say that but it's one of them things isn't it it's a magical place
0: yeah it's a bit of a it's it's inspirational for this industry and is a massive source of um creativity and exactly uh, like direction basically yeah um yeah that's interesting so like right now as marcellus um who who's inspiring you now like who you mentioned some people which were definitely movers in that in that age but now it's very different and there's a lot more DJs and there's a lot more genres there's even more subgenres than ever uh, there's so many identities arriving in electronic music um you know where 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 do you sit and and who's inspiring you
1: well i think my main inspirations for my sound today are Dennis Cruz um, and the, and the whole Solid Grooves camp, um, you know, especially like Pauza, BB, um, Relo, Eddie M, all those people are massive, massive inspiration to what I do. The, the, the whole vibe, the groove, everything is, is, is very much, they've massively inspired me, but also parallel to that, Jamie Jones Hot Creations obviously is always on everyone's um, list and obviously I've supported them for so many years as well so I love the label and I love the way Jamie plays and and the, the vibe that that whole camp has is just so cool the whole Paradise Hot Creations wow. and I've been to Paradise many times and you know it, some of the most sick nights I've had are there and it's just like you know and it's that but it's also because of where I come from because of the whole progressive side and the whole epicness side that I've been producing for so many years. I also love Euphoria. I love, you know, um, the hands up. I love the tension in, in progressive music as well as, so that is something that I definitely, you know, every five or six tracks I do make something which has an influence from that because I do, I do love that as well. And I think that this is what's quite good about, I'm almost discovering like, How the journey that I've spent before Marcellus is going to influence how it sounds. Do you know what I mean? So I I like drawing influences from a lot of places, which maybe aren't everyone's journey, because at the end of the day, if everyone has the same journey, everyone's going to make the same music. If everyone just likes the same people. So I feel like whatever people's journeys are, you know, um, you get people that have had like a rock fam, you know, they've they've been brought up on rock music. You know, their dad's a drummer or their dad's a guitarist. It massively influences what they've done. So um I think as well as the artists, it's it's also drawn inspiration from just the journey itself. But yeah, I mean there there are so many good artists and even young artists inspire me. Like I've got the I've got my radio show and I'm always asking people for new music and you know the music I get sent amazing. So everyone's good these days. So it's Yeah, it it drives you to be better and also inspires you because young producers, they think less. They throw things together very quickly and because it's all very new. They don't overthink it. Whereas the longer you've been producing, I think you do fall into the trap of, you know, you do overthink things sometimes, which can be good and bad.
0: So what what do you mean by that, overthink things?
1: Well, I overthink mixdowns quite a bit. Like, I'm always like, you know... Especially when you're aiming it for a specific label, you're like, is this too hard? Is it like, you know, is it, is it, um, are the drums right? Is it this? Is it that? When sometimes labels, they just want to hear something that's fresh. But I think every producer is guilty of, you know, molding and sculpting things into something which they think will be suitable for the label they're going for. Um, And I think sometimes when you are, say you go into a runoff, you know, because even though I've had some successes in the last year, that's not without two times the amount of failures. So I think that sometimes, when you have had a lot of stuff rejected from labels or you know people aren't supporting your stuff the way you want it, you kind of get into that bubble where you're like, you know what, is it cool what I'm doing? Like, is it, Are these beats right? Am I, you know, as much as we want to be confident about what we do, I make music for everyone to enjoy So. The main thing for me is that everyone else likes it. Do you know what I mean. So you've got um you've got that kind of that that way up in your head between what you think is right and also what people want. And I think that makes an overthink.
0: I yeah, I totally get it. Like I used to do that a lot. Even though you know, when we were young, we were kind of doing more what you were describing—just bashing stuff together. Um, i think as you sort of get more as the as the pace starts to pick up you start to like really overthink things that are not you know they're important but they're not they're not the move makers in getting to the next stage or unlocking the next door um but you mentioned that there's a lot more producers now there's a lot more people that are younger just making good music like how does that How does that make you feel like in in regards to like where you're trying to go? And and do you think, you know, we're awash with too many producers? Do you think that it's a great thing? Um, Because, you know, one of the things now is it costs so little to produce music. You know, anyone can download Ableton um, and and start producing high quality music. And there's so much education out there that's freely available, um, which was not necessarily the case, especially when I was producing only like you know that 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 was it was kind of harder to find the tuition. You know, like the tricks. But everyone's kind of put a masterclass out now. Um, do you feel like, yeah? What's your opinion on that?
1: Uh what on it being on music being easier to make?
0: Yeah. Well, you said like there's so many more younger people now producing great music that maybe you know when you were at that
1: age you 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 weren't there. You know, you were still in a different space. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what what I've, it's been really nice and what I'm really kind of grateful and thankful for recently is that since the first tracks that did, you know, some damage, Funk Machines and Peaches and things like that, Ice Machines and stuff, that because there's a sound, it's kind of really easy to know what I like now. And when someone sends me music, it's really easy to, to know who to help and who not to, because I just know what I really like to play. And I think once you get to that point where you are quite, um, you have a style, it's a lot easier to kind of filter through what you like. As with the app, you know, Jamie knows what he likes, makes it a lot easier to filter out the stuff that's not necessarily better or worse, but just not applicable. And um, so I, there's not, like, too many to to kind of go through from my from my side because, um, you know, there's only a limited amount of people that will make the same style or similar style. So it's quite easy just to focus on them. And it is nice to be able to, like, you know, play unknown people's tracks because from my struggle, that's all I ever wanted is, is you know, bigger people to be supporting and see people enjoy it and play it. That's what it's there for so i think having um a style helps with that because it it does it does filter it out uh but i think that like it's not a bad thing that there's a lot of people coming through i just think that people need to make sure that they have an identity and i think that that comes from really experimenting yourself with things i think a lot of people Use loops and i think that's fine nothing against it i've used loops um before i've used drum loops i've used bassline loops i haven't even chopped them up i've done you know if it works it works but you've just got to be prepared that like if you are using loops and you are using you know these packs that everyone's got how are you how how is your music going to be different and i think there's a lot of people coming through that want to be a DJ, but don't necessarily want to have a unique sound. And I think that's where the saturation comes in because you've got a lot of people with the same thing trying to do it. So like if you have someone that comes through you with a, with a really unique sound or has, you know, played it or has got a unique way of putting it together, then um, that would be the, the the best way to kind of break through, you know, and just stand out.
0: Um, that's that's really good advice. So, like, is this the advice you give to someone who's just starting out or up and coming? Like, what what do you think is? Um, what advice should they ignore? Because often there's a lot of people dishing out advice, but what should um, up and coming producers ignore when it comes to advice?
1: I mean, it's so difficult, like. I always think that the music industry is so, like, volatile and so random and the way people break is so different that I don't really like to give advice to anyone because that's just my advice based on my path. I'm not going to tell anyone to not do something or to do something because you've just got to try it all. I mean, you really have. You've just got to try it all. The the main thing for me would be, like, find the sound, but I'd never tell someone who's just started, oh, yeah, just find the sound. Because I don't think you just go, you know, you find it from it being in the studio, you find it from playing it, you find it from being at raised, which takes time. And I don't think that, like, you know, if you're, you, the more pressure you put on something, the less it works, especially with creative. So actually, that's the bit of advice that I'd say. I'd just say don't force anything. Don't force relationships because you end up getting hurt. Don't force the music because it'll end up being not what you want it to be or not as good as it could be. Um, I think just let it grow naturally. From my experience, that's that's all I can say, is, is that, you know, I tried to do these other genres and I tried to do them, but it, it, nothing worked for me until I did... What I really loved. And then it all just fell into place quite quickly within a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while to kind of find that alignment. Well, to make up your mind, didn't it?
0: Yeah. 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 That's
1: the hardest thing, is to know, you know, that what you want to do. Cause if you choose a style, that's it. Really. If you choose a style when you put your effort into it, that's going to be you for 10, 20 years.
0: So a lot of it is about choosing like the style before you go in, yeah, before you go all the way in.
1: I mean, music is literally, from the minute you sit down to the minute you finish, all making music is is a series of decisions. So, like, those choices that you make, you know, should I finish it now? Is it finished? Yes or no? Should I keep this bass on? Yes or no? And those decisions are all about, you know, where you want it to be. If you can't see where that track wants to be at the end, there will be an infinite amount of changes you can do because you can always make it different. Yeah. So it's knowing when to stop, I think, is the... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The amount of hours I spent, like, choosing a hat.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> right,
0: I no, it's not this one, it's not that one, it's not this.
1: <laughs> so I think, you know... Yeah,
0: that's, that's really good advice, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it is about surrendering, right? Yeah. It's surrendering to your intuition. And I think that that time where it takes to get more comfortable with your intuition, being like, yep, yeah, it's done, or yep, yeah, that's right, or yep, yeah, it's finished now. because um, I think when you're young, you don't you don't have that barometer or confidence yeah. to be like, oh yeah, this is done. And that means you can spend you can spend longer than on it than you needed to, or you can spend not enough time on it. Um yeah, that's, that's that's really interesting. So like what habits, you know, what habits like this work for you when you're making music? Do you have like...
1: I reference. So say uh, I, I have a reference track and I'll just be like, okay, um, you know, I've been playing this in my sets and I love it and I'd love to have something like it to kind of fill that space in the set. Or I make something where I'm like, I'd really love to play this sample in my set let me make something where it gives it a way to play it, which is danceable or whatever. Um, And I think that that's a way to know that it's done because you're like, okay, well, this track's come out. It's done well. You know, he hasn't overcooked this or that she hasn't overcooked this. Let's, you know, I can call it a day because it fills the space and then I'll go and play it in a set and then I'll see what, bits are lacking if there's not enough low if there's not enough high and then that's how I kind of think if it sits up against things that I'd love to play it against I normally call it done um but there's always you know there's tracks I've released that I'd love to have pushed further but I just do this thing where I'd I'd rather it was finished than perfect music's very consumed nothing really. yeah you can make classics but you know nothing really has the lifespan anymore. It's very much the the can the can what's is, what is the um how people consume music is a lot a lot, you know? And I think that um the lifespan of these tunes is shorter than ever. Ultimately, you know, as much as we all want to build on the big labels, if you're confident about that track and if it is, you think it's done, and all your mates love it, and everyone you give it to wants to play it, put it out on Bandcamp. And you can have bigger tracks on free downloads and bandcamp releases than you can on the big labels.
0: What, what do you think this whole um, what, the culture of sending to labels? Because my understanding of it is that, of course, it's you know there's there's the business side of it of trying to make money from your music, but a lot of it, uh, like back when I was producing, you know, Hot Creations with a label that I really wanted to be on uh, with John, and. Um, it was more the culture, like the social and the cultural alignment and just being part of that um, group and kind of being in that world that we valued more. And do you think that's why, like, you know, obviously labels exist for much bigger purpose than that. But when it comes to the fact that there's so much more technology available to you to self-distribute your music, so you can actually do the business side yourself, you can put it on Spotify, you can get it mastered. Um, you can do all the functional parts of a label. Um, what, you know, why is it still like, and not that because there shouldn't be, but there still exists this massive emotional and social part of a label. Um, like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, and, and how that references to younger producers or producers that might not be at that stage of going on a label and could just like distribute it themselves. Why do they still long for being on a label?
1: Well, yeah, I think there's a certain kudos that comes with it. I think three reasons. One is the kudos, which is obviously the social aspect that you said to be associated with your favorite artists. And also, to, it's a personal goal, I think, for a lot of people. It's, it's personal fulfillment as well. Um, and also, if you've, you know, there's, there's no greater achievement than being accepted by, you know, someone that you really aspire to. So it's that personal gain. And also I think it's like booking agents look for that. They look for you to be on, you know, the top five, six labels. So everyone's trying to to get on those labels because they want to get bookings. So there's obviously that, those two aspects. Um, I mean, th- you know, the main reason why I do it is because I just love the music on there. And I just feel like I... This is like my offering, you know, to 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 that label to to and be a part of it. As you said, to be part of that that crew is, is a massive thing, especially for me. Like I think that's definitely like mo- most of the reason is just like a personal tick off, and just to kind of feel accomplished that you've you've made something on that label that you've been following for so long. But I definitely think that releasing on the label, especially for the bigger artists, is Obviously, to keep those bookings going as well, yeah, um, to be able to put that under your name when you play and to have that association is 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 a huge part of, you know, the whole perception, smoke and mirrors that is, the underground scene, um, and to and to have that, but I definitely don't think that self releasing is harmful at all. Um, especially if you're getting big support on them anyway. You know, you can still grow your fan base, you can still um get some really good traction from releasing stuff. Plus, if you've got a sample that's in it that you can't get cleared, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to clear it. And that's a massive thing as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. But it just, like with Ice Machine, for instance, mine, I couldn't even put that on Spotify because there's a massive section of the original tune in there. Uh, and it just meant that it was an easy way for me to get it out. It gives fans the chance to give you more than you want for it. You know, some people were giving me more than I was asking. And, um, and it's just a really nice way to feel appreciated for what you've got. And also speed it up. You ain't got to wait for a year to get it out. I want to put it out next week, put it out. And then people can have it, you know. I think, like, recently during lockdown, some people that have really utilised that is Manda Moore and Cyrus Hood. They've made, like, um, you know, probably some of the most successful tracks they've ever made. The most supported tracks they've ever made have all been these mood edits. And I've been downloading those all over lockdown. You know, they've been getting supported by all the big guys on it. Um, And it was a very good way to keep them running, and also give everyone these real like sample led great edits that are amazing to play. Um, so it just means that all your work isn't kind of disregarded just for a free download on SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah. Bandcamp's great for it. Um it is really good. Yeah, it's really they're really fair. So I think that's a great place to put out, put out stuff. I mean, it used to be, you know, SoundCloud. Um And it still is, but I think the, you know, the gates that people use to, you know, get fans to their Instagram and stuff like that, they're all kind of being crushed a little bit by, uh, you know, the privacy kind of wave that's come in the last couple of years where there's such a big thing about people keeping their, you know, their socials and stuff theirs. And I think there's, they've run into some problems with that about, you know, following for a download or this and that it's, it, so on band camp, it's a lot easier
0: the hoops and the hurdles you have to jump through for I yeah yeah it should be frictionless
1: yeah it should be yeah but look I mean there's no better thing than sending a track that you want to put out to a big label and them accepting it but it, it as you said it is there's a lot of people coming through and I think that any way that you can put it out if you really believe in the track you should put it out
0: yeah no that's good um well, that segues, I think, quite nicely into, um, you know, what, what you think about the future as well of music and, um, you know, how how that could be shaped with new technologies. There's a lot of talk about NFTs and things like this. Like, what's, um, where's your, what's your stance on that? Like, where do you think, it, where do you think music is going? Um, in reference to the whole like the world like streaming every genre but then right back down to us as well as our electronic underground scene uh, which is like a little big family uh, in, in the whole music sphere
1: I think yeah I mean I mean if we say if we focus on the underground part of it like where we are I see like a lot more female producers, DJs coming through. I see a lot more artists coming through that are trying things, using different things. Maybe we'll get some people experimenting with different live setups. Um, You know, people like Kink and and people like that that use synths and stuff and and sequences while they play rather than just DJing because I think obviously you have to have a bit of an edge um, to when you play. Uh, that could be either your performance or, you know, what you use to to do it. I definitely think there should be some people experimenting with that. But I also think that, like, it's a purist genre. So, you know, there's plenty of people that still play on vinyl. There's plenty of people that aren't going to, they thrive on being genuine and 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 really, like, paying homage to the way it used to be. And I don't think that will change, and that's what's nice is that it's less gimmicky than other genres. People are there for the music, you know, first and foremost. So I think you will get a few kind of manufactured artists in tech that if I could put a reference to the electro genre, everyone was doing their thing in electro and then Maddian came along and he was playing his whole set off a push controller. You know, Video Gap goes out online of him using the push controller. And it's obviously made him something different. And I think as it gets saturated, I think there'll be more and more people looking for kind of way for them to be a little bit more unique in the way they play. Which could be really cool and it could make some really good advancements. But then at the same time, because it is a purist genre, like no one's ever going to get bored of seeing someone just spin good music and like just, you know, just be there doing it. I think... That's why we are in this little family. We are in this underground thing because the most important thing about it is making people dance, giving people a good time and playing cool music that you're not going to hear everywhere else. And that's why I'm here, you know, and that's why I want to remain here is because there is that certain, like... Um, authenticity to the scene, which is so nice from being in other genres before that are so manufactured, so throwaway, so brutal in in how new talent is discovered and used. Whereas here, it's almost nurtured a little bit more, and you just get the freedom to do to do what you want, and I think that's that's amazing, you know. The way it always such a big family and stuff is 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 so such a blessing to be a part of it, you know, and to be able to add something to it. That's why I think in the future, I think as I said before, I think the artist side of it needs to be more for people. I think yeah, it's cool if you can DJ. It is cool. Like some people are phenomenal, but I think in the future, if you want to tour globally, if you want to be a respected artist, you've got to give back. You've got to give. You've got to inspire people to make music themselves and you've got to have an identity where people can be like, that's Jamie Jones, that's Marcellus, that's whoever. And I think without that, it's quite difficult and that's where you get lost. Do you know what I mean? But it's only from my personal opinion, but that's what I think.
0: There's no right answer now, you know, we're just we're talking. Yeah, I think... um... I think it's really I think it's really changing um obviously there was this period of time where like I think you know there's no other industry that's been like affected the most by technology than the music industry in terms of like shrinking um and disproportionate like economics when it comes to uh, labels artists, and we all know that street streams are great and they are bringing they are bringing more money back into the music industry and they are better but there were the, there was the golden era of you know CDs and you know but that that's just the nature of the technology right it disrupts it changes but i do think there are other avenues and openings which could be um, really interesting like nfts are a really interesting discussion at the moment it's not quite taken form with music in a big way yet but i have seen people selling rights to their music um up front and that's a super interesting uh, approach to having more ownership um, over your music, bringing bringing like the ownership back and um, making the so, economic fairer.
1: So, what is it, an NFT? It's a
0: non-fungible token. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go into explaining exactly what it is because I'll probably murder it. There's probably some people listening that will know a lot more than me, but um, it's a, it's the blockchain. Uh, it's it's based on the Ethereum blockchain. And it's uh, at the moment, it's a way of people kind of buying and exchanging uh, goods. And um, a lot of it is around uh, art. That's where like all the stories are emerging. But now there's a big discussion. Um, you know, Calvin Harris started speaking about things, and a lot of big artists have like done something. Usually they're selling like Alban art and stuff like that. But um, I've seen more people. Um, do music so i've seen a couple auctions for it was like a thousand bucks per one percent of my sound recording some art, some rapper and um that was like the first kind of music nft where it was like okay you can buy you can buy into this person's sound recording which is super interesting so it's an opening and i think um that could be great you know the more money basically like anything that allows people yeah, anything that allows people to make music in in a more independent way, because like in the creator economy, you know, you can be an Instagram influencer, or a YouTuber, and you can start generating money, right? You can like do sponsored ads, and you can build an independent uh, career off that. So you don't work the job that you don't really want to do, and you can be a creator. You can make courses. Like, there's so the creator economy is a mature thing now. Um, But we've not really got the creator economy for artists yet, music artists. So they're still kind of stuck in like 10 years ago where they're still, they can't make any money really until they, you know, get that label, get the bookings. And that takes years, you know, it takes years. But now like I, my dream is yeah, for more, for a fairer economy for artists so that they don't, you know, they can move from where they, where they don't really want to be, which is maybe, you know, doing doing something they don't really want to do, but they've got to meet, make ends meet to a place where they can make music full time and be a creator. Because they're still a creator. Um, so things like NFTs and stuff, um, if they can invite that, if they can bring that in more more independence, that's
1: yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and it's yeah, it's nice for people to feel like they're really part of the creation of music as well. Like if they've been involved in any kind of part of it they can contribute uh, I think that really brings everyone together and and it gives something which takes everyone that supports you gets them more involved which is always good
0: yeah anyway like back to you man I've got I've got like a couple of questions that are like more quick fire um, but I, I want to ask them um, so what are sort of one or three books that have had a big influence on your life
1: oh I mean I actually read Richard Branson documentary that was really good. Uh, taught me a few things about opportunities and how they arose and to be a bit more aware of when things happen that might be um, might be good. Obviously the secret I read that manifestation that does'm a firm believer in 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 all things like that. I think that really helped. Uh, with you know you keep saying something it does happen and uh, and that was it's a really really powerful kind of idea to to grasp and I think once you get that it does put you on a bit more of a level for life the third one um, I'm trying to think like what the third one would be the third one would probably be like the operating manual for Cubase I guess (laughs) Just because like I read it and you know, I I use it today and that's kind of made a lot of things happen. You know, just sitting here in front of the computer has made a lot of things happen. So I think researching what I use properly and finding the ins and outs of the door was definitely something which helped me in like a academic way rather than probably the the spiritual way for the secret or the the kind of business way for with, with the Rich Branson book. But yeah, I think those three. Uh whatever people say to me, whatever I read, whatever, it always it always yeah. impacts yeah. me in no, that's some way. Good man.
0: And um the next one is uh is a is one I took from Tim Ferriss, So if people know it, then yeah, you know, it's a good one. But what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has positive, positively impacted your music in the last six months?
1: I think. That the best thing I've purchased is SonarWorks, which is a piece of software and a mic that you buy that basically puts an EQ chain on your output to counteract for the artifacts that you get in playback, which is caused by the environment of your room. So it will. Put an EQ chain on to counteract for the fact that you've got too much bass buildup, or you're missing a bit of high frequency, you're missing a bit of mid, and that sits on your output chain. So when you're producing, it gives you a more true sound to to the studio's chair where you're sitting, and it basically means that you haven't got the added reverb, the added bass, treble, mid-range, whatever from your room and then I think that was about 130 dollars or something or 130 euros but from there my mix downs so much better because I wasn't constantly putting in too much sub because there was this huge build-up in my room so I didn't think I was putting yeah sorry I didn't put enough sub in because there's so much build-up in here that I wouldn't put enough in um and once you get those things I mean you can have the best idea in the world and if it's not mixed right it's not gonna bang in a club and it's not going to get accepted by any label so I think that having having that and I think quite a few people are using that now uh and it's just great you know we don't all have crazy balanced studios so it's nice for especially like up-and-coming producers to know that there is something which can give them a bit of a helping hand so I think that's definitely the best purchase of that.
0: yeah uh, cool I think that'll be really helpful with some people <laughs> it sounds like it's something definitely-
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people that I've spoken to, even I remember Detlef got it for the first time and I saw in his story he got Son Works, and I was like, bro, like, I've just got that, it's sick. And he was like, oh man, I can't believe I haven't had this for all this time. You know, and this was after all his hits. So I think that even when people are producing at a good level and have a studio, they're still using it. Because not every room is perfect. Not even the, you know, some studios, they're not perfect. So it's nice to have a more true representation of how it sounds um, properly rather than with the artifacts.
0: Nice, man. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. But yeah, so what's next for you, man? You're in the UK, so things are opening up All right. We're very lucky. You got some bookings?
1: Yeah, we got, I mean, it's, I feel very, very lucky to have had the journey and the support over lockdown that I have had. And, it, yeah, it's meant, I think in a couple of days we're going to announce it, but I've got over 20 dates up and down the UK over this summer. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be amazing. And it's kind of the product of the hard work for the last few years. And, yeah, I couldn't be happier to be able to announce that and to, you know, just be able to connect with all the people that have been supporting the music and obviously love the music. So it's really exciting for this year. And obviously securing some of my dream labels as well. Uh, I've got quite a few releases coming up this year um, and kind of just waiting for the okay permitting from, you know, uh, a few of the hit list labels that I want to be on. So, but it's a, it's a gradual thing. As I said before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if you don't get the labels this year, get them next year. If you don't get uh, the things that you, you know, just keep working. Keep working. Doesn't matter, you know, I make for every 10 track, every 10 tracks, i only have two or three that are bangers. Um, and you just got to be prepared to make them other seven and to hit the walls on every single one. But just don't put up too much pressure on everyone having to be a banger because grooves are grooves. Do you know what I mean? We're in dance, if it makes you move, it makes you move. It might not be the highlight of your set, but it's still gonna keep people dancing. So I've definitely taken the onus off trying to make everything a banger because it's stifling for creativity. Sometimes you just need to accept that not everything is going to be a ten out of ten banger, and, and sometimes it's just going to be a sick groove that you like playing. And that that brings the fun back for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And loops back round to like, I the the feeling I've got from you and throughout this discussion is. You have arrived at a place where you are not, you're trying to not think as much when you're in the studio and kind of just let your intuition do it. And, and that's allowing you to produce more music um, without worrying about the outcome of that music, um, where the outcomes are coming because you are just putting out music constantly, even though it might not be getting signed and, and put out, but the, just the output itself is allowing you to, yeah, occasionally you hit the one that is the real good one. Um, yeah, I think mean, that's a really important... But it's always one. fun. Mm, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's, it's always fun, and that's the most important thing. It's not, you know, it's not done to spec, and it's not, you know, it's, it, it's it's not formulaic. It is just, you're just having a laugh. And I think, you know, that's the whole reason why everyone does it, is because you want to enjoy it, you know. You don't want to be in an industry which is this hard, and you know feel like you're in a desk job still you know you know it's the whole point is that it's fun if if it, if it stops being fun i stop doing it and that's one of the things that was from the richard branson book obviously he came from a privileged background so it's a lot easier one thing he did say is if if, if the fun stops i stop he he, he don't do, obviously he probably does a lot of stuff for money after it becomes a successful thing but he said nothing's ever been successful without me loving it first because at least when it gets difficult you've got your passion there so i think that's the best thing you've got to love what you make especially if you want to do it as an artist thing because as i said before like 10 20 years or 30 years 40 years you might have have it for so it's like got to make something that you really really like
0: yeah I yeah, think that's really good. That's really good advice. Yeah. So where can people find you? Like, where's the best place to go and connect with you and um, and and hear you if they haven't heard you before?
1: So, yeah, the best place, obviously, the socials, Marcellus Official Instagram, uh, Marcellus UK on SoundCloud. That's got all my radio shows on it. That's got all my tracks on it. Um, obviously, you can check me out on Beatport, Marcellus UK. You can check me out on Spotify, Marcellus UK um but those four places are the best but if you want to hear our play every mix that i've done in the last year is on soundcloud in a mixes list there's over 20 mixes there streams live radio uh and then on my instagram you can check out all the new music i've done i regularly put up like studio um videos when i'm in in and uh, obviously all the gigs and stuff that i'm doing this year will be there as well so
0: yeah nice man yes i will put the links in various comment sections man Um, but mate thank you so much for your time it's been epic
1: it's been a pleasure mate thank you for getting me involved with the uh, with the project and um, it was really nice to be able to to be able to be a part of it and 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 uh, also to be able to get that exposure as well and and a pleasure working with you guys
0: yeah 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 well it's still it's still continuing man we're still going to be you know listening to your feedback and making sure you get the best experience you can when you're sending your music to you know the people that inspire you you know people that you want to be um you know heard by that's 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 what our mission is here um but cool man i'm gonna i'm gonna pause it now
1: thank you mate i'll see you soon
0: so thank you so much if you got this far i'm apologize again for the poor quality audio on my part but at least marcella sounded crisp and clear I hope that you got a lot of value out of that conversation and you can take something into the studio or into your life. That's what the point of Behind the Decks is, is to help give you the inside inside look and story of different artists and DJs and people in the music industry. It's all about helping you learn something new and interesting by learning how people approach different aspects of their life when it comes to music and just life in general. So our beta program is still open. If you wanna send your demos to Jamie Jones and experience a completely fresh approach to demo management then I invite you to reach out to us either on Instagram as trackstackhq or on our website trackstack.in. We are here to serve you as the artist. We want to make it easier and faster for you to get your demos heard by the DJs that matter to you. We've built a completely fresh approach to demos that takes into account all the problems that currently exist when, se- when it comes to sending demos. We really want to build something that really serves and is long-lasting so your your feedback really is important to us so feel free to jump in and collaborate with us we're open and we're ready